uh, been doing a series called Blinded Mind, and the whole kind of purpose behind that was there's so many times in life where we are blinded in our minds about things. We sometimes can't see it clearly in our own lives, but other people can see it clearly in our lives, right? Or we can see it clearly in someone else's lives, but we can't see what's going on, and we're blinded to what God's trying to teach us, or we're blinded to some foundational truths we know that are clearly in God's Word. So we started this Blinded Mind series in August, and a couple of uh, passages, and I just want to, I know we've read them a lot, but I want to read them again just to remind us is that Paul was writing in the first century to Jesus' followers who were dealing with a lot of the same things that we are. They knew the truth, but all the stuff that was going on in culture around them had blinded their minds to a lot of things. So Paul wrote to the Christians in Romans, and he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, he qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, he said this, the God of this age, and when he says the God of this age, that's little g God, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there's a lot of that going on. So if you remember, back in August we started this series, and some of y'all may have been here, you may not have, but I'm just going to give a quick review of kind of where we walked through. We started actually um, looking, we looked at Adam and Eve and how they became blinded, and the first people in creation, and we've kind of inherited that from them to get a blinded mind about things that we know are true. And then we, uh, through that, you remember Jonathan preached that sermon and he told us about Bogdan. You know, that was a great, the decanter. Yeah, y'all probably remember that. <laughs> that was a good, good sermon. Then we went to Cain and Abel and how you had two brothers raised by the same family, but one had really got a blinded mind towards God and about those things. And Cain killed his brother Abel. Then we looked at Lot and his family and Sodom and Gomorrah and how they had become blinded to what was going on around them, and they just lived in that, and God tried to allow them to escape from that. And then we looked at Elijah for a couple of weeks. Jonathan did a sermon about Elijah at Mount Carmel, and again, how that nation had been blinded, and Elijah came in, and God revealed himself in a very powerful way. And then later, I shared about Elijah from that moment of God, you know, using him to show who he was, and he ran from Queen Jezebel, remember, and says, I'm the, I just want to die. I'm the only person that is righteous anymore. And God worked through that blinded mind view that Elijah had. And then we had a couple of weeks of King David. You remember King David, excited. He was the new king in Jerusalem, and he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And it was on a cart, which it wasn't supposed to be. And it stumbled, the oxen stumbled, and this guy, Uzzah, tried to you know, stop it from falling over, and, and, and God struck him down, and David and everybody was very disturbed by that for a long time, but they learned some valuable lessons about God and worship and being focused. And then we read about King David and Bathsheba, and uh, in a blinded mind moment, uh, David did something, you know, I'm just going to go and I'm going to have this little fling, but it turned out to worse than that. All of a sudden, there was a baby involved, and uh, Uriah was one of the, uh, one of his chief uh, fighters and he had him killed to try to cover things up 
And then TJ shared for us a couple of weeks ago from the New Testament about the importance of being aware of the influences in our culture that can certainly blind us from God's truth and the plan for our lives. And he talked about the beneficial um, influences we do have, obviously available to us through the Holy Spirit, through Christian community. And he specifically talked about leaders of Paul and Barnabas, and we have some of those same leaders today as well. And then last week, if you remember, I talked about King Josiah, who became king when he was eight years old. And that king uh, at eight years old inherited a really uh, an awful situation from his father and grandfather. It was a, b- a whole nation that was blinded to God. And he came in and made major reforms, starting with how they worshipped God. Well, today I'm excited. We have Brian Kaiser with us from um, God's Eyes International. And uh, he's going to be speaking in just a little bit. Y'all probably saw his table out there. He's, he's uh, selling his book. And... Uh, about, I want to say about three or four, three and a half, four years ago, I met Brian uh, through a mutual friend, Fred Stavely. And Fred says, you got to meet this guy, Brian. He's doing an amazing ministry with eyeglasses. And I said, sure. So he goes, come and meet us at the warehouse where he does a lot of this, and we'll go to lunch. So I did, and Brian was kind enough to walk me through uh, the big warehouse where they collect these glasses, make these different different glasses, and then eventually they go on these um, uh, medical mission trips all over the world where people have never had eyeglasses. And so that was amazing just seeing how they did that. But then we went to lunch and Brian started telling his Brian stories. And I'm telling you, y'all, it was, I was like, man, this is unbelievable. This, you can't make this stuff up. This is so God in all this that led him to this point. And Brian was telling these stories and uh, Fred was saying, he really needs to put this in print, Bethany. And I was like, yes, he does. And so Brian was uh, uh, very, got a lot of persistence from Fred and others who love him saying, you need to tell these stories in a book so that people can read about how God's been working through your life. So Fred was pretty relentless with others, and now I'm happy to say he actually has the book out, and you can get one of those after the service if you haven't already. But I know there's other folks here at Southwest who already know Brian, know his story. Some of y'all have been on his trips with him. And uh, just it's an amazing thing. So you're going to get to hear a little bit about that today. So I thought as I was doing this series how appropriate it would be to have Brian come and talk about uh, there was a time in his life, a season in his life where he was had a blinded mind season where I was, you know, doing what I was doing, very successful in his business, successful, uh, as you would think, in the church, very active in his church. But God and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And I'm so thankful that Brian Listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. And not only did it change Brian's life, but it has changed the lives of others all over the world because of him listening to what God has called him to do. So I'm excited to uh, introduce Brian this morning. But before he comes, we've got a video that his son has put together that kind of walks you through a little bit. And you can see a little bit of what he's been doing uh, all over the world. So let's watch this video. And then after that, Brian will come and share with us this morning. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light.
they shall see God. Available today. Good morning. I'm so glad this is second service. Um, the first service I didn't get to finish because I had a 15-minute time limit. And Craig said, there's no third service, so you can talk as long as you want. So I got about an hour and a half here for you guys. Now, he said, y'all going to leave at noon, but I can talk as long as I want. So um, I have written a book, and, and that came after a lot of prompting from my friends. Um, I didn't want to write a book. I don't like writing books. Um, I didn't even like writing papers in college. Um, but I liked telling God's stories, but not writing his stories. Um, but anyways, a few things kind of changed my mind when I realized uh, things. and um, I'd like to maybe just give you a little background on why I wrote this book. Um, I want to read just a, a very short part of uh, some of my stories here that I wrote. Um, what God's Eyes does, by the way, we host eye clinics in third world countries. We go to the poorest of the poor. We've been to about 400 villages um, since we've started. We hand out brand new glasses. We uh, grind new lenses nearly every day in all kinds of prescriptions. And we pack them up and take thousands of lenses that are already made to fit the frames that we hand out. And um, we can put them together right in the field and you get a pair of glasses in your exact prescription. So that's, that's what we do. And um, along the way, God's taught me a lot of things and, and um, he's helped me grow a little deeper and to love better and more freely and easily. Um, I want to tell you a story. Uh, I'm, uh, the background here is I'm in a garbage dump in Nicaragua. In fact, those of you who know Joe and Carolyn Strack, they've been in that garbage dump several times with me. 1,600 people live in this garbage dump. Um, they not only live there, that's their work. I mean, they, they, they scrounge for something to eat. They scrounge for buying plastic or metal that someone's thrown away that they could maybe sell to a recycler. And on a good day, they make about a dollar. Now, when your parents make a dollar a day, um, you don't have much of a future. Um, it, it, you, you're, you're changed when you see that, when you deal with that kind of poverty. I met a lady in that garbage dump during one of our eye exams, and for some reason, something clicked between me and this lady, and I felt like she was a long-lost sister of mine, that somehow we were separated when we were born, and now all these years later, here she is. It's like I'm sitting right in front of my sister I never knew I had, and there was just this instant connection, and... Uh, 
after the exam, I asked her, why, why do you live in a garbage dump? What happened? Tell me. And she told me a story about how a hurricane had hit um, in Nicaragua, and she lost her home along with tens of thousands of others. And the government moved them to a garbage dump for temporary housing. But they just left them there. And when I met her, she had been there 18 years. So, you know, we just had a hurricane blow through this country. Some people lost their homes, but they have insurance. They're going to be able to rebuild and pick up their lives. Um, in Nicaragua, you don't have insurance. And when you lose your house, you lose everything. And it's hard to start over. Anyways, I took this lady out right during the eye clinic. I had to just spend more time with her. I left, and there was a shack nearby the garbage dump that sold drinks and, and goods, uh, snacks. And I bought her some, and I gave her the rest of my money, and I prayed with her. And we went back to the uh, eye clinic together. And then she had to leave because I had too many other people to work and I wrote, I met a long-lost sister of mine that day. I was able to spend a few beautiful moments with her. And then I lost her again as she disappeared into the crowd on her way back home to one of the shacks that surrounded me. During our brief encounter, she won over my heart. And my hope now is that one day in heaven, we'll be reunited. And that there, her hardships will be permanently removed. Everyone has a story they need to tell, even people living in a garbage dump. I realized I had a story too, and I wanted to tell my grandchildren my story. Both my grandparents died before I was two years old. Uh, one died the year I was born, one died the following year. I never knew my grandfathers. I never knew their stories. If they had written a book, I would know who they are and what they did and what God had did, done in their lives. But they never did that. So since all my friends encouraged me to write a book, I want to encourage you to write yours. All of you have stories. Leave, leave a legacy so your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren know who you were. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them how much he loved you and what he did for you and what he did through you. So I started thinking maybe I should write this, my stories. And I was speaking at Pinewood uh, Movie Studios a few years ago. And um, while I was there, I asked the Lord, I said, why do you give me so many stories to tell? And so few venues to share those stories. And that's when the Lord said, that's what your book is for, Brian. And I knew not only did I have to tell his stories, I was supposed to write them. Oh, I didn't want to, but my friends never let up on that. And I finally did it. So I wanted to... Um, tell you a few other things here. One time, here's one of my stories, I was sick in Nicaragua. 
In fact, Joan and Carolyn were on that trip. They heard me throw up for days, and they were probably several rooms away. I was really sick. And uh, Joe took me to the hospital, finally. I didn't want to be there, and there's a whole story about me going to the hospital there. You, by the way, you don't want to go to a hospital in Nicaragua. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but before I went to the hospital, I had been praying while I'm lying in the bathroom floor because I can't get up, and I'm just throwing up all over myself. And um, I was asking the Lord to heal me, only it wasn't getting better. And finally, I said, Lord, are you trying to teach me something? Because you've got my attention. And by the way, next time, just say, hey, Brian. <laughs> um, anyways, he said, yes. I'm trying to teach you something. He said, right now, Brian, you don't look very good. You're not very attractive to anyone who's around here. You don't sound very good. The noises you're making are pretty gross. You're, you can't do very much right now. And he goes, I want you to take that story back to my church. I want to read you something here out of 1 Corinthians. It says, if one part of our body suffers, then all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of that. Here are some, uh, oh, here are some of the parts that God has appointed. But let me go back to here. It says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. The Lord told me while I was lying there sick that my, there was part of my intestine that was not functioning well. In fact, I found out I had diverticulitis. If anyone's had that, you know how um, debilitating that is and how painful it is. That one little part of my intestine shut my whole body down. And I was no longer functioning as God intended me to. Well, the same thing is true in the church. You're all part of the body. Now, it may seem you have an insignificant part in this body. Maybe you're not the pastor or an elder. But I'll tell you what, if you're a piece of intestine, you're important. <laughs> now, no one's going to give you praise. No one's going to tell you how beautiful your colon is. Nobody ever acknowledges what you do. I've never had someone come up to me and go, you have such a beautiful intestine, Brian. But my intestines are important. They've got a job to do. Your job may not be praiseworthy from a physical attractiveness point of view. 
but you've got a big part in this body. And if you don't do your part, the body of Christ doesn't look very good. It may not sound like it should be sounding. It may not be attractive to the outside world. Why would anyone come to a church that isn't working properly? See, we've all got a part to play. And yours is really important, even if you think it's not. I want to share um, another story I read or wrote. This is going back about 15 years ago. And uh, it's kind of a summary of what I did one year. And I'm just going to skip around, but I wrote, Last year I held a sick baby in my arms. He had no parents, and he had no hope. But God loved this baby boy, and he asked some people to take care of him. They said yes to serving God, and because they did, this little guy lived. But then I saw a mother who was forced by her poverty to watch her baby boy starve to death. She was too poor to help him. She had five other children at home, and there was just no money. Her poverty forced her into a terrible situation. She had to make the impossible choice of which of her children got fed and which one would die. I asked God why he planned for that to happen, and he told me he didn't. He said he asked somebody to send money to feed the baby, but they didn't do it. He asked somebody to provide clothes for the baby. They also refused. He asked people to donate medicine so babies like him wouldn't get sick, but they said no. He asked somebody to go and adopt him. They didn't do that. God loved this baby, and he had plans for that baby not to be harmed. But the people God asked all said no or did nothing. When we say no to what God asks us to do, a baby may die somewhere in the world like this one. When God asks my intestine to do what it's supposed to do, I feel good and I'm, I will live, and I'll have the possibility to thrive and enjoy life. But if God says, intestine, here's what I want you to do, and it says, nope, not going to do that. I don't want to do that. It produces death. I said, um, Last year, I saw people who went blind because they didn't get the help they needed. I saw people die from starvation, and I saw people who had to eat mud because they had no food. I saw children suffering from typhoid and all sorts of curable diseases, and I heard them crying in pain at night because they didn't have the medicine that would comfort them. 
I saw literate, unemployed people who never even got the chance to learn or go to school. And their lives were just wasting away in sheer boredom. I saw people in isolated places that never had hope of ever finding work. Some of them drowned in floods, and I saw others who lost their crops due to droughts. I saw multitudes of people hurting in every possible way from the injustices that poverty produces. Last year, I saw lots of needless suffering, lots and lots of needless suffering, because somewhere, someone said no, and God gave them something to do. That's my message for today. You are an important part of this body. This church is an important part of the community. And if we don't do what we do, horrible things happen. We can look around and see what's going on in this world. And I think that's because a lot of Christians didn't want to do their assignment. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, God wrote a book too, by the way. When I learned that, I couldn't wait to see what he would write. In it, in one book called Jeremiah, chapter 33, 3, it says, call on me and I will answer you. And I'll tell you great and hidden things you don't know. Which he might even tell us what we're supposed to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which ones? The ones he prepared in advance for us to do. So if you don't know which works you're supposed to do, if you don't know what part of the body you are, just call on Father. Study his words. He'll reveal it to you. Ask him. He'll answer Thank you guys for helping God's eyes. Because of you, thousands of people are wearing eyeglasses. And when we go out, we not only give eyeglasses, we not only fix physical sight, we share the gospel with every person we meet on a very intimate level. And we make Jesus known. Thank you for helping us do that. Do your part. Thank you, Brian, and uh, again, thank you as a congregation because your part of your giving goes to help God's eyes. But man, Brian has given us a challenge this morning, hasn't he? Remember the first time he shared that about um, when we see uh, things like that in the world, bad things, a lot of our um, reaction is, why does God let that happen, right? Why doesn't God do something and when I heard Brian talk about God asked me to do it, but I didn't do what he asked me to, man, that's very convicting. Uh, and Jesus talks about that in uh, Matthew 25, doesn't he? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go home and read Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. Because there's going to be one day where he says, 
when did you see me hungry? And some people um, are going to say, what do you mean, when did we see you hungry? But there's other people who, they just get it. When we do that to the least of these, we do it to Christ himself. And so Brian came to that conclusion that God had called him. And that's my favorite verse he just read, Ephesians 2.10. Because we are all God's workmanship, all of us. And we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And God has prepared a list for each of us, custom made for us to do. And the sooner we believe that and start looking for those good things that he's called us to do, man, he can do some amazing things. Brian is living proof of that. And uh, Jennifer, we appreciate you being here today, too, and all your work with the ministry. I didn't get to acknowledge you earlier. Thank you. So thank you. Um, now, I, wanna, I know uh, Carolyn and Joe have been on trips. Is there anybody else in here that's been on a trip with Brian before? If you do, raise your hand. Anybody else? Uh, Karen, Joe, y'all raise your hand just so people can see because I want y'all to know if you can't get to Brian today, you can talk to these folks and they will, they will give a ringing endorsement, won't they? Exactly. So y'all, and Brian is, is going to do more trips and would, I know they would love to have you go. So please see him afterwards. Get a book if you haven't. Um, we're going to, um, I, I love his illustration. Have you ever thought about being uh, an intestine in the body of Christ? Never thought about that. All the years of reading, it can't, the foot can't say to the hand and the eye can't say all that, but the intestine, man, it'll shut you down. I went to Guatemala this year and my intestine shut me down for sure, you know? So I understand that. But what a great illustration. Thank you for sharing with us today. We're going to go into a time of communion today, as we always do. If uh, maybe you're here for the first time, um, we invite you, if you're a believer, to be a part of that. Um, if you didn't get to go and get a little package of communion. You can sneak out during this next song and do that. But we, every week, um, because of what Jesus asked us to do, to never forget the sacrifice that he made for us so that we could truly live the life he gave us to live and live eternally with him. Um, not only did he die for us to forgive us from our sins, but he rose again to let us know that death is not the end. There's something beyond that. He wants to be and live with us eternally. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? God wants to be with us eternally. And so he, he made that happen through his death and his resurrection. So we celebrate that in communion, that Jesus, um, uh, he came up with that. Not us, not the church. Jesus came up with that. He says, I want you to never forget what I did for you, what I did for the whole world. And so we take a little piece of bread that reminds us of the body of Christ that was nailed on that cross for our sins, for all of humanity's sins. And we take a little cup of juice that represents the blood that was shed to cleanse us from our sins. And then three days later, Jesus rose again and let us know that death is not the end. He defeated that as well. So that's what we celebrate every Sunday. So we're going to invite you to do that. Our, our praise team is going to lead us in a song. Uh, if you have a decision today, maybe through Brian's message, been inspired to become a follower of Jesus and if you'd like to do that the first step is submitting your life to him and acknowledging that he has made you you're his creation and that he has a plan for you he has good works for you to do but you have to start by submitting to him and you can do that and be baptized bury that old way of life of you being in charge and now God's in charge you bury that old life and you resurrect to a new life where now, where now Jesus lives in and through you so we offer that invitation if you're looking for a church home we are certainly not perfect 
we are not the perfect body of Christ, but we try to work with all the gifts and people that we have here towards what God has called us to do in the world and His kingdom. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. If you're looking for a church home, we offer that invitation as well. So I'm going to ask you to stand now. We're going to sing this song together, prepare our heart for communion. But if you have a decision, I'll be right here to try to walk you through that.
The Hebrew writer says this, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not only to bear sin, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Please join me in prayer. Father God, what an awesome time it is to be in this congregation with people who, as we have learned, are, are an integral part of this kingdom, of building this kingdom and glorifying you and glorifying Lord Jesus. And for it, Father, it's even more encouraging and positive and exciting to know that these emblems are representative of Christ and his sacrifice, but they're also nourishment for our bodies and our souls to do his work and do your work. So, Father, as we take the bread and take the loaf and take the, take the cup, may we remember always that Christ came before us and is even before you today advocating for each and every one of us. So may we honor him in all that we do. May we use our bodies to serve him, and may, may we take great joy in the fact that he loves us unconditionally. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.
Well, our obviously Mike usually comes and do does the mission moment for us today, but you've got to hear during the uh, the sermon time our our mission moment today through God's eyes. And uh, again, I hope you will stop and talk to Brian or someone at his table, get one of his books, and you can learn more about how you might get involved. Um, and you know, Brian is exactly right. You know, we all have different uh, gifts and giftedness. It may not actually be going on one of these trips, but Sometimes, and, and Brian will tell you, um, generous people gift other people to be able to go on those trips. That's your role to do that through your giftedness, so we appreciate that. So let's, I want to, at this time, just pray for God's eyes for Brian and Jennifer and their whole uh, team of folks um, for our missions moment. Uh, but I also want to uh, mention somebody very special to us this morning that I know is here and just had a really tragic thing happen to her and her family. Kathy is here today. Kathy Screws um, been on our staff for quite a while. Uh, loves our kids and, and works with them so faithfully. And she lost her husband very unexpectedly um, this week. And so uh, we hurt with Kathy as the body, and with Madeline and Matthew, um, your mom and dad, and your uh, sisters and their families. Love y'all so much, and just so sorry. Um, and we want to just pray for Kathy and her family uh, during this time. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, giving us the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom work all over the world. And we have different roles and, and uh, different parts we can play in that kingdom work, Father. But help us to take it seriously that you've called us. You've created us. We are in your image, and you have given us things before we were even born that you wanted us to accomplish in this world. Father, help us to know those things and to do those things and to see what that can do, not only around us, but in our relationship with you. So we pray for Brian and Jennifer and God's eyes and what they're doing. We pray this book is... Um, through this book, we know the gospel message is being presented. We know through those eye clinics, the gospel message is being presented in a, in a powerful and personal way. So we're thankful for what you've done in Brian's life. I thank you for um, Jennifer and how I know she prompted him in the early days to listen to you and Fred and Kelly and others, uh, uh, friends and family that said, listen to God, and Brian did. So we're thankful for that example, Lord. But Father, we pray for our sister right now. Um, Kathy and Madeline and Matthew, and we just think about their whole family, Lord, and this is a, a tough, a tough time for them, and uh, we just pray for your, your peace that passes all understanding during this, this time, Father, and that we will continue to walk through that with them and love on them and, and be the people you've called us to be, but we just lift her up to you, Father. Thank you for her and how much she does here for us and for our kids and for our families, but we just pray your peace on her and, and her family right now. So, Lord, we lift these things up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.